football is back and right now bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first last or anytime goal scorers with over 45 million members it's the world's favorite online betting company we've got wall-to-wall premier league football with games being played nearly every day and with bet365 bet builder you can combine match results players to score numbers of goals and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the latest edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. I will be next season in the championship as well, for any of you worrying. Uh, I hope this finds you safe and well. Yep, this is it. Relegation confirmed. Uh, We're assuming they are trolling us now with that performance. Uh, So instead, we will rise above and bring you one more pint-sized reaction podcast. This time, I'm delighted to say with former Norwich City press officer, Ben Mouncer. Hello, Michael. And ex-Norwich, West Ham and England striker. Is there anyone uh, more fitting to get onto the pod this week? Dean Ashton. Hi, Dean. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you very much. And um, uh, you're about to head out and play a round of golf in in this wonderful July Norfolk weather. You must be in a good place. Um, Well, look, the tears have dried quickly as it was pretty obvious we were going to get relegated um but yeah i don't always just wear these tops for fun though I'm, I'm going to go out and um let some anger out with the driver i think that's the that's the way he's got a beautiful for those that are not not watching he's got a beautiful purple uh, polo shirt and the golf clubs are sat uh, in the background just to remind me that time is tight <laughs> <laughs> that's how i'm taking it anyway um oh i'm glad you're well ben how are you yeah i'm good i'm good as, as good as can be. I mean, let, okay, let, let, let's get this out of the way because no one wants to talk about real life. It's, it's all about football, <laughs> obviously. Um, thank you for both uh, joining, uh, joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, first up, as always, is our snap verdict. I mean, well, I don't know where you start with a 4-0 hammering at home to a West Ham side who are supposed to be relegation candidates alongside Norwich from Mikhail Antonio scoring four goals, as good a player as he is. Um, I think it's the first West Ham player to do it in, like, I don't know, since the war, probably. Um, uh, this is the 30 seconds to get off your chest what you'd like to ben you can kick us off okay well i'm sure the the context and the bigger picture stuff comes in a bit but in terms of this this match and this 90 minutes it's it's one of the worst performances i can remember in recent times from norwich city um obviously relegation isn't a surprise but the manner of this performance and some of the performances recently has been there were, there were just no there were no positives at all from this match norwich were physically technically mentally well short in in every area and alex tetty on that sort of point of mentality made that um point after the game when he said that they didn't really feel mentally prepared for it and boy did it show um i mean i, I knew i was coming on the pod so i did watch the full 90 minutes but believe me if i wasn't coming on here then i wouldn't have stuck that one out i don't think i i have to say even being at the games you know analyzing and live tweeting i sort of found myself sort of glazing over in some second half since we restarted um dean do you want to give us a snap verdict set plays um it's been the bane of norwich's um life over the last two seasons even in the championship it was a big issue they haven't rectified it you only have to look in the last few games 
obviously Watford, Everton and then West Ham, how important them set plays are at the highest level just cannot be underestimated. It doesn't matter how much lovely football you play or, or how much intricate football you play around the front four. If you can't defend set plays at the highest level, then you're always, you know, you're always running uphill. And, and, and it just was so frustrating yesterday to once again see goals just given away um, so cheaply. Yeah, I think the first goal went in after 11 minutes and, and I think, I can't remember what the second, the second one was certainly before half time because it was in the first half, but um, even the commentator um, sort of said, well, that's that then. And I just thought, God, it's only 2-0 and it's the first <laughs> half and the commentator said the game is over. Um, and then we had the delights on BT Sport of, of each goal, for the third and fourth goal coming with booing which is like, this isn't a crowd reaction. This is some um, TV producer in a studio, presumably at Stratford, uh, uh, you know, next door to London Stadium, because that's where BT are, are based. Literally pressing a button going, yeah, I think we'll bring some booze in. And apparently they and were... The, uh, and the Olays. So Olays. I know. Yeah. I mean, this is, that is remarkable, remarkable trolling in terms of TV production, because that's not a reaction from 20,000, 20, maybe 15,000 by that point, um, people. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, yes, but but there we go. Um, we'll get straight into our debrief now, and we should probably start with set pieces and defending, and and I guess zonal marking will will, will come up. Although I have my own opinions on that, which um, as a, and in no way a qualified football coach, I probably have no justification for what my opinions are. But it does one thing that does slightly rankle with me, Ben, is that um, generally Daniel Farker's reaction to conceding from set pieces, he pins the issue on the fact they've conceded the set piece in the first place. Now. I don't really buy that. I mean, yes, of course, don't concede free kicks um, in silly areas. Absolutely. But then you do still have to deal with the situation when you're not going to go through a whole game where you don't concede a free kick. So um, it's almost, I feel that's a slight deflection because they've got to be better at what actually then happens after they've conceded the free kick, however stupid it is. Yeah, you always worry when um, somebody kind of doesn't really address the issue and you worry it's a kind of diversion tactic when you hear Daniel Farkas saying stuff like that. And, you know, it is annoying. We did concede a lot of free kicks in, in dangerous areas yesterday, um, which obviously is frustrating. But <laughs> with zonal marking, I mean, let me make a point, first of all. Zonal marking is not a niche system that Daniel Farker has invented and, you know, <laughs> is failing miserably. Zonal marking can be effective when done effectively. The problem here is that it's clearly not being coached well enough the players are not aware of their responsibilities in that system and you know simply let's simplify it. it comes down to sort of determination and desire in defensive situations and set pieces and Norwich are falling well short of that and um, and, and, and no better example than the the second goal in stoppage time at the end of the first half <laughs> a, a dinked mm. free kick into the middle and Tim Closer barely getting himself off the ground I mean you, you can talk about the complexities of zonal marking and you know get, get bogged down in, in talks about systems but really it's it's the kind of nuts and bolts defending that we sort of fall well short of I, I mean you had Ben Godfrey and Tim Closer both within um, sort of about half a foot of Mikhail Antonio for that for that second goal so and, and which is something that Daniel Farker mentioned and, and he himself is looking at replays of these goals looking pretty exasperated so um how do you view it Dean because you'll have been asked to come back and defended a few set pieces in your time and I guess I I I don't know what your opinions are on on sort of the mix of zonal and and man marking which is effectively what most teams do a mix of it generally I think personally I do like man-to-man marking because then someone's accountable and it's basically 
UV some you know UV someone in terms of a run and, and a jump and getting close to people. Uh, but then again, I think you know if you look at the stat zone marking isn't particularly that much different. It's just it looks worse when it goes when it goes wrong. The case with zone marking is you have to still recognise the dangers and for Antonio to stand on Tim Krull, move two yards away from him and volley in without anybody near him, that just isn't good enough. But that's not, I wouldn't say that's, that's Daniel Farker's fault. That is the players themselves. They should be recognising where the danger is um, and, and anticipating that. But you look at Brentford, who have brought in a set-piece coach. Now, if, if Norwich have already known that they were poor from set plays from last season, why haven't they done something similar to make sure that this season it's something that gets rectified or at least improves. And that's, that's, the, that's the way you have to lay it at the manager's doorstep is that if something keeps happening over and over again, then that does come down to you and making sure that you're the person that rectifies that with the players. And, and maybe they're just not doing enough in, in that sense because it happens too often. And then at the same, the same time, I think he's probably looking and going, well, against Watford, Jamal Lewis just lets Dawson push past him and score the goal. And against West Ham, your two centre-backs let Antonio take a jump from a standing start and just nod it in. I mean, some people will look at the performance and think, well, they just didn't care or they're all, you know, some of those players are worrying more about their futures. But, you know, Max Ahrens didn't have his best game by any means, but he, he was crying at full time. And, and Alex Tetty looked absolutely distraught um, when he was doing the press. Um, like immediately, he did BT Sport immediately as he walked off the pitch. So, um, I mean, it's not that straightforward, is it, Ben? No, it's not. It's, it's kind of, it's been so bad since we got back from lockdown that you, it makes you really think about, you know, what has actually caused this and, yeah, I mean, Daniel Farker has said, um, obviously, that the, the bigger teams, the more technical teams have an advantage. And I think maybe there is something in that, but certainly not to the extent um, to what we've seen with Norwich. Um, and I think he has kind of flip-flopped a bit tactically and with his players, and he seems to have sort of lost his way a bit in terms of you know exactly what system he wants to play and how he wants to deploy his players and whether he wants to um, play a bit more solidly like he did against Man United in the FA Cup or try and play quite expansively like he has done in the last certainly against West Ham so yeah I think I think it's a sort of myriad of factors really yeah it's interesting how he, he's almost almost played uh, a lot, played with the Norwich team a lot since uh, since after the restart whereas the sort of three or four months before there was almost no change at all and it was it was it, it was sort of they keep doing the same thing and hopefully it'll it'll work Dean I mean um how how big an issue are you having been through a, a relegation with Norwich? Sorry to bring that up, but I mean, how how big an issue is this for Daniel Farker and and, and Stuart Webber and those at the club in terms of turning around the mentality, but but also in you know, a pretty short space of time because this isn't a normal; these aren't normal circumstances. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that exact thing yesterday. Is that it's the mentality? It's get it's changing from having a season where. Um, you win everything and you know you you everything's rosy and nothing nothing goes wrong to then a suddenly a season where every week you seem to be getting beat there's probably a nasty feeling around the place everyone's pointing fingers at each other um and it's then trying to change that mentality around like you say so quickly um because it just looks like after the Southampton defeat, it's like the whole team, and I include the manager as well, 
totally lost their way. Not sure about who's to play where. Chopped and changed the team, um, which obviously is difficult when not everybody's maybe fully fit after the restart. But still, lots of other teams have, have kept the same starting eleven and then made changes. Um, and so it's just been—it's actually just been sad to watch. And it's difficult when you're down there and you know you're going to get relegated that's really difficult to still motivate yourselves as much as people say, oh, well, you've got to show fight. And, and I think they did against West Ham. They kept playing, they kept trying. Um, but simply that spark, that motivation, that intensity is just gone. I think the motivation point is an interesting one because um, Leon Barnett, well, a story Phil Daly told on the last podcast, Michael, about Leon Barnett saying how he was surprised at Daniel Farker's kind of air of resignation and the kind of messages he's been putting out through the press about how, you know, we're certainly going down and, you know, quite a negative kind of message. Yeah, I kind of see where he's coming from in that regard. And actually, everyone knows, you know, we are, we, we you know, in the last few weeks, the res- um, relegation has been an inevitability. But I think there is certainly something for not oh so openly stating that in the media so often and I feel like that kind of message filters through to the players and maybe takes another five ten percent off obviously Dean would have much more experience than me about whether that's actually a thing or not but Michael I don't know if you kind of sort of seen that I I can I can definitely see that and I was well aware of the sort of criticisms that Chris Hutton was getting for sort of underplaying Norwich's hand all the time I, I think I suppose the interesting thing is that it it plays into this into this, uh, it, it gives it gives a an ex- it gives an excuse. And <laughs> to be brutally honest, and um, that, that's probably a harsh way of putting it, but it you know it it, it gives wiggle room. And if you, if you sort of treat people as it just being a matter of fact, and what were we supposed to do? That's you know, that's a hard mentality to shift. And and then the sort of the deeper you go into that, it, I, I feel that, I think I'm thinking of it in my head like a hole. The deeper you go into that, the hard the further you've got to then climb deep to get out of it mm-hmm. and be in a completely different mindset in the space of six, six weeks. But then I, I, I guess um, with there's a, a degree of trying to be, because he's clearly been more defeatist almost about and, and realistic, I suppose, if you want to put it like that about the situation when it has been, let's be brutally honest, likely to happen. Um, um, which, which was probably sort of after the Everton game, I suppose. And um so I guess that there'll be a, probably a degree of thinking that if we're if we're this open about it and and defeatist about it now, and we can get it all out of the way and then you know digest it quickly because we know what's happening. We know we've been well off it this year. We can't. We're not going to kid ourselves that we've been close because we haven't. Um, and then hopefully there's a, a a snap when everyone comes back and you get straight into it in the championship. Um, I, I would guess in my head that's the way they're trying to to play it, and it's probably easier to play it like that when there aren't any fans in the stadium. Because as every, as much as everyone wants to shout down the pub and shout on social media, there's almost no direct direct relationship with the players. This is probably the best time to get relegated because no one's going to be shouting at you. There's going to be no one yeah. crying in the stands. Only the players on the pitch. And and to be <laughs> honest, it will be the same next, at the start of next season, which is something I was thinking about. You know. Um, we can, uh, I can talk about the pressure that will be on Norwich when they get going again and oh, they've got to make a fast start and all this sort of stuff and the pressure will start to tell. But, but in actual fact, it's solely down to the players and, and, and the coaching staff and, and having fresh faces maybe to create some energy because they will just go out there playing championship football. And if they win a couple of games, by the time the fans are actually back in the stadium, um, 
you know, they might be in a better place and, and you're already a way to kick off and let's see how we get on. But I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit naive about it all, but that does give me an opportunity to plug uh, the piece that is live on the athletic uh, this morning. It's, um, optimistically um, titled The Rebound Plan. This is about what happens next, what relegation means for Norwich, what happens now, what happens um, preparing ahead of next season and, and what the thinking is. Um, I spent a bit of time on it. So um, I, hope, um, I hope you enjoy it. And, and I hope it also doesn't detract from the fact that there does clearly need to be a proper debrief about what's gone wrong this season. So it's about the balance, I think, between picking apart and learning from this year and then obviously there is still going to be a season next season to go and do something positive with. Hopefully, you know, it's a record fifth Premier League relegation. We know how this <laughs> feels for, for, <laughs> for Norwich City and there's no getting away from that. Um, so I will just say you can read that and plenty of other stuff on, um, on the way. I did uh, quite a fun interview over Zoom the other day with someone that I've got to write up. will be there in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to writing that. Um, you can read all that sort of stuff. And you can uh, read it for three, for free even, at The Athletic um, right now because um, The Athletic is free for 30 days. So that's up until the uh, well beyond the end of the current season. Uh, simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to sign up. Okay, this is a question I, I like to ask, uh, gentlemen. What, what is the question you now want answering by Norwich City? Dean? Um what sort of defensive structure are they going to look at next season? So I want to see productivity, you know, who's going to, who are they going to bring in that's going to, I think, replace Alex Tetty, essentially, as that holding midfield player. That, for me, is the most crucial position in the whole team, having watched them all season. I feel as if teams have just been able to cut through, um, cut through that, that, um, that midfield and back on straight onto our back four. So for me, can you go out and, and are you looking for uh, at least one, if not two defensive midfielders um, to be able to change slightly how the team play? Harry's sponsors on the ball, a podcast brought to you by the athletic Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and travel blade cover. That's worth saying at this point. I have got one of these packs and it is fantastic. I, I do also have a beard, as you'll know, but I do like to trim around it. And I have to say, my neck has never felt so good. As a listener of On The Ball, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash on the ball right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com forward slash on the ball. It seems like a good point to mention Norwich Wool, um, I suspect confirm the signing of uh, Jakob Sorensen from, oh, now I've got to say it rather than write it, Ebsberg? Ben, you, you, I, bet, I bet you know how to pronounce it. 
Uh, yes, I do. It's uh, es- Esbjerg. No, Esbjerg. I, don't, I don't. I don't really know. Just... Oh, oh no. Okay. Well, um, es- Esbjerg. Anyway, put it on my list of things to do. Um, and uh, who, who is central midfielder? Whether he's entirely defensive minded, I haven't seen enough of, of him. But I know that there's some some high hopes for him. But I, I agree with you completely, Dean. And that, that's probably the interesting thing because Norwich struggled to have um, the defensive mindset in that position, even on their way to the championship title. It's just they scored enough goals to get get themselves out of that hole enough of the time. So that that's kind of something we've got to see next year, I think, is Norwich being better defensively because that will give them a better platform if they can get themselves back up again, which is, of course, all of the aim. Um, ben, what, would, uh, what is a question that you would now like on answering? My question is this. Who, who is ready for the championship? And I'm, I'm counting kind of everyone. I'm counting... Us three, I'm counting the owners, I'm counting Stuart Webber, Daniel Farker, I'm, I'm counting all the players in this. Who is ready for it? Because actually after the Watford game, there was a kind of a sort of a few shoots of positivity um, when, when we played basically our team that won the championship. Yep. And people started, oh, you know, we, we can just you know, play those players again and have the same yeah. manager and it'll be fine. Obviously yeah. that kind of evaporated after the performances of... Um, some of those players against West Ham. Uh, and we, we know, look, the championship season, you don't need me to say the kind of championship cliches, but it's, you know, I will anyway. It's, it's long, it's hard, and actually there's not going to be much time to prepare for it, as you said earlier, Michael. And we know that the effects of a season like this one, and especially a period like the one we've had since lockdown, they can linger, and we really need to make sure that they don't. Um, I just want to make a point uh, kind of to tie in with that Excellent piece on the athletic, Michael, that you've done, which has also, you know, got a lot of detail and, and insights on on where Norwich City is sort of going to be going um, from here. Um, and I kind of had some some concerns because I've got this theory that kind of the qualities and characteristics that that made us so successful and, and took us on this amazing journey under sort of the, the Weber Farker duo are they kind of becoming our weaknesses because when you when you have a, a sort of defined ideology like we, we hear so much oh no we have a plan we have a way of going about it but what happens when that plan stops working um sort of breaking it down recruitment is obviously something we've been speaking about a lot um we've heard a lot about how norwich recruit in a certain way and you know use the market cleverly but the facts are that a lot of recruitment not just this season but some of it last season as well wasn't there have been, been more misses than hits i think um, and also the, to, to touch on something Dean said earlier about the way we play, we, we hear a lot about how, you know, we play in this certain way. This is Norwich, this is Norwich City, it's Farker ball, whatever you want to call it, but it's not worked this season and it's, we've, Farker's not, not been adaptable enough. And I think going forward, we need to kind of escape from that ideology that we've made for ourselves and be more flexible and be more um, tactically um, adaptable, certainly in the championship. Um, so yeah, that, that's just a theory that I've got but I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> I think that's a great theory and, and some great questions. And I'm kind of hoping, A, let's, let's get it out of the way. Um, the recruitment this year was in no way good enough, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, they only did a little bit of it. So that probably put the pressure on them, on them getting it right. And, and it didn't work. Um, so I guess, A, they've got to get the recruitment right this time and maybe going back down to um, trying to find players that can excel in the championship and also make make the jump up which i think is probably a slight level up from what they did two years ago um it is at least probably closer to the remit and their, their budget and, and easier to do because i think they they really struggled to find the players that they thought could cope in the premier league so hopefully the recruitment um, is much better and it's in a better bracket for them but also i do want to see it give daniel more options because i think you could still look at the squad and think 
how many options has Daniel got to mix it up? Um, I think Adam Ida and Adam Ida in the championship is a different striker to what he's got and, and is going to be, um, that that's going to give him a, a different option, even though he's inexperienced. Um, we know that uh, through, through our journalistic friends in Romania that they've been trying to pursue <laughs> a Dennis man. Um, and it, whether that one happens or not is, is, is not necessarily the point. The fact is that they do need another pacey kind of forward to help mix it up more because you can't just rely on having Onel Hernandez. Um, and, and maybe they need a couple, I don't know, but so, um, yeah, and I think mixing it up and, and the recruitment is what would help them do that in the same way it should help them get over the hangover because hopefully everyone will look around and go, oh, these new guys are going to be hungry and then you mix it in with some experience. But I suppose the question there as well, Dean, is like you were talking about the back line, who, who is still there come next season? Because Norwich are going to sell th- three of them, I imagine, at some point. They, they need to make some money up from, co- from the COVID hole they've got in their finances, but you know they've got four windows probably to do that in. Um, uh, it'd be interesting out of Jamal, Max and Ben Godfrey who, who are still here because you've watched them this year and they're all still pretty short of the level even though they've had a good, years of, a good year of Premier League experience. Yeah, of course. Plenty of, plenty of promise shown and there will be teams that will look at them even possibly depending on the, the, the price attached to them for, to bring into their squad and even loan back possibly. You know, that sort of thing I could, I could see. Um, and, and Norwich, I mean, look, I, I, me personally, I'm not anywhere near as down about this relegation as I have been any other one because I genuinely think that there is a change in the club's philosophy uh, and the recruitment side. They've got financially, they've got things in place like player wages cuts uh, for getting relegated that they didn't have previously, and they were lumbered with massive wage bills um, in the championship. And also, it's so easy to forget that pretty much for the whole season, you've had three young lads, you know, who have only just really making their way in the game with no experience next to them pretty much for the whole season or no um, sort of consistent experience alongside them. I mean, Grant Hanley was talked about maybe not even being at the club at the start of the season, you know, let alone them being crucial and then being out. Tim Closer... Um, for as much as I, I like him as a person, should be nowhere near the first team at Premier League level as well. But he obviously is and got back from injury, haven't played, not played a lot. Zimmerman was a massive miss. It's so easy to forget because of how poorly it's been, certainly after restart. And you forget how well they've played in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Over, you know, it, d- during December, you know, they led in eight out of nine games, but they didn't win any because defensively they just couldn't couldn't hold on, but they were impressive in a lot of them games. So I think with what they've got in place, they don't have to sell if they don't want to. I'm sure they will because financially it makes sense, but not too many of the players. And I think with the right recruitment at centre-back and and defensive midfield, um, I genuinely think that they could bounce straight back and that, that next season could be really, really exciting. And if they learn from this season defensively, I'd like to think, and they stick with the manager and uh, um, and the backroom staff, that they'll be in a great place if they were to get promoted to have learned from that and be a real a real team that could then flourish in the Premier League. 
See, I didn't even need to ask the question, silver linings, please, because Dean's just answered it. Um, mm-hmm. it. It's interesting. And as Hodge, you mentioned Ian Wright's stuff, or no, Danny Murphy, I think he mentioned in his HodgePod, but um, with Ian, Ian Wright um, kind of said, oh, it's rubbish. What's the point of not going for it if you, if, you, know, you get there and, you, and you, don't, you, know, you fail and you expect it to fail and then you go down again? And I think Gary Lineker went, well, yeah, but the, you know, the argument will be they'll be in a good place to go back up. And Ian Wright sort of said, well, yeah, they'll probably go back up. And it's like, okay, so, you know, it's, it's kind of um, answers, but um, uh, good news for me. And in answer to you about being ready for the championship, Ben, um, my uh, EFL goals highlights program on quest, the series link is still working. So I can't, <laughs> can't more of Dean's face next year. <laughs> if you still do, you might've got, got yourself a premier league move. Um, Dean, who knows? Um, I, I am sure that the club will also look at the injury and fitness situation um, because they'll want, I really hope, again, much like set pieces, I suppose, I want them to learn from that. I want to see uh, an improved injury situation. I know they've not all been muscle injuries, but there have been one or two and and they do make life um, harder than it needs to. Um, And so far, we've not even mentioned Todd Cantwell, who I've been a big fan of since since the restart. I think he's been, as I've said, I don't have to say it again because I've said it a lot. I think he's been been excellent. Um, He's also sat on the pitch for 10 minutes at the full-time whistle and... um, got some nice new braids in which i learned i mean i wasn't sure what they were but they were they were braids or all french plats one, one or the other ben were you a fan yeah absolutely i think i think i might go down the barbers and, and get that myself actually um n- no i think i think you're the demographic he was aiming at dean um maybe seems a silly question to ask you right at this moment but uh, did, you, did you ever did you ever braid your hair I couldn't grow it long enough to braid it. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Do you know what? Um, you know, I, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Todd. I think that he's, uh, when I walked into to the training ground a few years ago to, to sort of look at doing some coaching, you only have to take one look at him to know he was going to be a top player. Like he, he was doing things then that players I've played with at the highest level couldn't do. So I think he's going to have a great career. But at what point, does someone not say to him when he turns up to the to the uh, to the stadium yesterday and go, you do realise that whether you like it or not, that just is going to look bad. You know, you, last week you've obviously rightly so because he's a local lad and it means a lot to him. He looked devastated, um, but then to come back with that, I, mean, I just all I just keep picturing is what Craig Fleming would do to him <laughs> if he turned up pretty much knowing that there's a chance that today's the day you're going to be relegated. So I think that's hopefully something he maybe um, will certainly learn from. Um, but there's no doubt I think he's shown on and off the pitch how much he actually does care about the football club. There's no doubt about that. I'm just now thinking, of course, I mean, Flem obviously is retired now, um, but he is the you know, first-team coach um, at Southampton. So Southampton fancy uh uh, having a wee bid for for Todd in the summer, then he might still get the chance to go. And no, shape I don't his, think I don't think any head. Southampton players have got any braids, Michael. So no, exactly, exactly. You can turn around, right. or I'm shaving those off. Said Craig. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, there we go, gents. Absolute pleasure. Um, next up for Norwich is Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Tuesday night. Um, I mean, I was a bit worried about that. Then they were obviously pretty awful against Sheffield United, which you know doesn't really bode well given that I think Frank will want a reaction and Norwich's final away game is of course at Manchester City on the last day of the season I, I think we shouldn't really think about that right now should we <laughs> We all tend to, because they are they are um, in, imperious at the moment uh, and of course Burnley at home in the middle I don't know if I'll be at Chelsea um, not through uh, want 
probably uh, but through passes but we, we will see um, but that is it for, for now we'll be back after that Chelsea game with a podcast of course loads of stuff for you over at The Athletic uh, remember if you haven't signed up um, it's well worth doing so theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod uh, but that is it for this edition of On The Ball uh, we hope you are enjoying what, enjoying what we're doing at least because we will continue to do it next season um, regardless of level and uh, although we know what it is now and if you do uh, please spread the word of course uh, across the Norwich City world if you'd like to get in touch with us ask any questions propose a topic to cover uh, just send me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey uh, in the meantime a big thank you to Dean I hope you're not going to miss your golf no no all fine for my tea off cheers he's so relaxed I love it top man cheers Dean um, Ben thank you thank you Michael poor old Dean we didn't even let him talk about West Ham but you know we'll do that next time and uh, thanks to you all out there for listening and getting involved we really do appreciate it on the ball a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic until then Good night.